<laughs> yeah, I'll get you going. Well, um, excited going back into week four of this series on faith, functional faith, not just having faith be a pretty picture on your wall that you can look at every once in a while and say, oh, that's what faith looks like. Yeah, that's awesome. But actually having it be something in your life that you can use. Uh, not just a great idea that's awesome to talk about because it makes you sound spiritual, but something that in everyday life that you can walk through and we walk a path of faith knowing that God is going to take care of us, that God has a plan for your life and that he will walk through that plan with you every single day. So this idea of faith in your life, when things are hard, when you're not sure what's going on, maybe I'm from the time you're in junior high to the time you're 99. I, thought, I didn't mean to rhyme that, but it did, which is cool. Um, you need faith in your life. Um, and last week we talked about this idea of a uh, faith as a seed. The idea of faith as a seed. And um, while that seed may look small, that seed is actually a tree if you allow God's eyes to be the ones that view it instead of your eyes. Um, we talked about this key phrase that, and I kept um, thinking about this all week, this idea that when a seed is planted, it grows. That's how God created it to happen. That when a seed is planted, it grows. And the enemy would want to speak to you and whisper in your ear that the seeds that God is giving you, the, the things that you hope for in your life, that they are buried. Because things that are buried stay buried. But what God and what his word tells us is that the seeds in your life, the promises that he's given you, the things that you hope for, they are not buried, they're planted, and there's nothing that can keep them in the ground. So I want to stay on this idea of a seed of faith, and we're going to be in Mark again, chapter 4, and we're going to start in verse 26 and read through verse 29. This is what it says. He also said, Jesus is talking here, this is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground day and night, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. Interesting. All by itself, the soil produces grain, first the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it because the harvest has come. So I want to speak this morning um, from a sermon I called, Your Seed is on God's Schedule. But let's pray first. Father, thank you so much for this day. Lord, I thank you for faith. Lord, I thank you that is something that every single one of us can have it, Lord. And we don't have to have great faith. Uh, faith right now that, that is that of a warrior or that of someone that we would look at and say, wow, their, great, their faith is so great, Lord, but that we can have a, a small faith, a, a faith that looks the size of a seed. But if we start to walk and trust in you, is strong, Jesus. Lord, I pray that you would speak to us through your scriptures, Lord, that you would hit every single one of us right in our hearts, right where we need to be hit, Lord, right where we need to hear a word from you, Jesus. So we expect these things. We believe these things in faith, that your word does not return void. Lord, and we, we walk this out, Lord, and we listen to you, and we open our ears and our minds to what you want to say 
In Jesus' name, everyone said? Amen. Amen. Have you ever uh, signed up for something or got involved in something and you totally did not know what you're getting yourself into? Yeah, I, I think we've all done that. Like with me, um, when my wife convinced me, and we were youngly married, newlyweds, and she convinced me to buy a cat, um, that was something I did not know what I was getting myself into. Uh, I didn't like cats already. I mean, I, I didn't grow up with cats. I was a dog person. That's what I was. That's what I am. And maybe that says something about me or my intelligence. And I'm sure somebody here will send me a meme on Facebook that's very uh, funny and witty that uh, will explain what that means about me. Uh, but I had no clue what, I, what I'd be in for. If, um, if, if we're honest, I mean, you look at a kitty and kitties are cute. Like, I can admit that. Like, kittens are little sweet balls of fur, and you just have to love them. And, and I love kittens until they turn into demons, and then you realize that this is not what I want in my life. And, and my cat just decided that one day he was going to save up all the spray that he had for about a week and go to where I lay my head at night and fill it. As full as that cat could ever fill with something that will never smell the same. And so then the cat disappeared. Um, but I, I didn't know. I was saying that's not, absolutely not what I signed up for. And the context of what we're reading today, where Jesus is telling this story, uh, Jesus' disciples, they're starting to learn that what they signed up for is not exactly what they thought. Uh, it's not what they were hoping for. It's not what they were believing. What they wanted is to see the kingdom of God right now. And to be honest, most of these disciples, they signed up for a war. They signed up for a revolution. They believed that Jesus was going to lead a militaristic uh, fight against the Romans, overthrow them so that the Jewish people would have their, their land back and their freedom back and, and not be under oppression anymore. And, and what Jesus is saying is contrary to the way that you think things should happen, uh, the kingdom of God is going to be revealed in stages. And so Jesus, he describes and paints this very relevant picture to his disciples in the day, but also to you and I in our lives that um, there is power and there is significance to a schedule, to waiting on God's schedule in the way that God wants to do things. Because when you do, you will find the perfect harvest. So Jesus, he talks about these different stages in his story that he's telling. And um, I believe that we have to understand that most of what happens in our life is going to happen in stages. And some of those stages can be very long. Some of those stages can seem long, even though they're not long, but they feel like they're really long. Some of those stages can be very, very short, but we have to know that things take time. And he uses this metaphor of seeds to help us understand that things take a process. And, and to be honest, if you and I got everything all at once, like a lot of times we want to just have everything happen here, right here and right now, you, we couldn't handle it. We couldn't handle everything that God wants to give us. And I think there's this misconception that a lot of Christians have is that we're waiting on God. Can I tell you, you are never waiting on God. 
God is waiting on you to be ready for what he wants to give you. So a lot of times we're saying, oh, I'm just waiting on God. No, 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 no. That's not how it works. God isn't like frantically trying to catch up to where you are so that he, he can give you what you want. He's waiting on us to become the people so that we can have a handle on the destiny that he has for us. But we have to have patience. We have to understand that there is a process that's happening and that takes patience. Uh, Mother Teresa, this is what she said about waiting and, and patience. She said, without patience, we, lo- we will learn less in life. We will see less. We will feel less. We will hear less. Ironically, rush and more usually means less. Eh, how amazing is that? How insightful is that we have to have patience it's sort of like if you've ever been pregnant or you've known somebody who's pregnant or you've been married to somebody who's um, been pregnant you really want that that process to hurry up i mean come week six or month six week (laughs) yeah that's really what it is but month six seven eight nine you're saying please can this process can we just skip part of it but in all reality you don't want that process to go any faster because the schedule is necessary for what is being produced and i think it's the same thing in our lives because a lot of times we just want jesus to be a Starbucks drive through where you don't even really have to stop at the window. You could just take your phone and order and pay and say, I'm going to drive by the window, throw caffeine at me. I'll put down my window and then I'll just keep going. And that's sort of what we want Jesus and his destiny and the process to be for us. But how many of you know that destiny is not a drive through window? It takes a process. And so we see these different stages that, that Jesus tells us about. And I, I see three stages from the text that Jesus, is, Jesus gives us here. Uh, the bookends of that is the scattering stage and you have the sprouting stage. Now, on one bookend, you've got the, the scattering stage. And it says the kingdom is like a man who scatters seed on the ground. Now, in order to do this, you have to plow the ground. Or else the seed won't go down into the ground and it'll be eaten and it will, it will die and not grow into what it's supposed to. On the other end, you've got the sprouting stage. Now, seeds sprout and they grow. But in order for this to be functional or have any point, you have to go and harvest the grain. And if you don't harvest the grain, then it'll go bad in your field. Now, I'm not a farmer. My dad wasn't a farmer. I've really never even known a farmer. Uh, I don't even have my own garden. I don't like vegetables. I, I, some vegetables, not very many. Um, but I want to I follow and walk through this an analogy that Jesus gives us and to uh, the end of Jesus' point. Now, Kyle, can you grab those, those tools for me? Um, I have some farming tools as a visual aid uh, first, we have the sickle, and then um, we've got the spade. So the sickle and the spade. Now, you see how he put these down. He put them that way because I told him to. But the way that we see these, the sickle and the spade, a lot of times the world wants things to happen first with the sickle and then with the spade. Um, a lot of times we'll, we'll want to have the harvest before we plow the ground. Um, He uses this visual uh, idea of an invisible kingdom to illustrate his point. And God wants every single one of us to know that in his kingdom, 
the, the, the spade always comes before the sickle. You, you can't have the harvest before you plow the ground. In the world that we live in, a lot of times that's how we want it. We, we, we want to reap the, the benefits without putting in the work. And, and a lot of what we'll see is people will want to harvest it before they plow it. They'll want to buy it before they can afford it. They'll want to sleep with it before they put a ring on it. Right? That, that's how we see the world that we live in. But Jesus wants, to, wants you to know in his kingdom that the spade comes first and the sickle comes second. Why would you go out with a sickle if you haven't sown seed for crops to come up? Why would you expect to have a job if you haven't put in a resume? Why would you expect to have a fruitful marriage if you haven't sown seeds of love? This isn't the way that the kingdom works. And Jesus is trying to tell us that there is a process that starts with plowing the ground and it ends with the harvest. But you have to do it in the right order. You can't just skip to the last section, even though a lot of times we would love to skip to the end and not go through the process. Jesus says that the kingdom of God and your faith and my faith is a process. Now, I love to scatter seed. Like it's one of my favorite things to do on Sundays. It's what I live to do. I wake up in the morning and I take everything that I've been praying over that I've been studying that I've been learning and Sunday comes and I just take this big bag of seed, which looks like this. And I just take the seed and I just sort of like chuck it. I just sort of throw it out there. And, and I believe that that seed is going to be planted because I have plowed the ground all week long through prayer, through faith, through believing. Um, and then I pray that not only do I throw the seed, but when I throw the seed out that you guys catch the seed and then you throw the seed too. And there's nothing that I love more than going on Facebook after Sunday and seeing a quote from what I said on Sunday morning on your Facebook page. In fact, you could do it right now if you want. If you hear something that you like, please get your phone out. I won't judge you. Nobody here will judge you. Get your phone out. Hashtag it. Whatever you want. Put it on, tr- on Twitter. Because that seed that's going out to the entire world, I mean... Gosh, what we can do and the influence that we can have across the world right now is so much more than anyone could have ever imagined like 20 years ago. And I pray that you would scatter that seed at your school, at your your work, in your neighborhood, in your family, wherever you might be able to scatter that seed. And and as Jesus tells a story, this is actually the third story that Jesus tells about seeds. And he talks about the scattering and he talks about the the sprouting of the seed. But funny enough, when he's telling this story, he says that the farmer has absolutely no clue what's going on. (laughs) Uh, This is not an educated farmer or somebody who has been taught uh, how things work. Because this is what Jesus says. He says, Night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. One other version says he has no clue how these things happen, um, but they happen anyways. Have you ever had something happen in your life and somebody comes up to you and says, how did that happen? Or how did you get there? Or, or how did you make this thing happen in your life? And the honest truth is I have absolutely no clue. 
Like I could try and make something up and, and give a couple of points of how this happened or how that happened. But the truth is, I don't really know. It, it, it just, I probably couldn't do it again if, if I tried. I mean, people ask, would ask something like, how did you get such a wonderful wife? And the answer is, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how I got so uh, amazingly blessed. Um, if I tried to do it on my own so that I had a process that I could give you, it wouldn't have happened. You wouldn't be asking me the question because I don't, I would have screwed it up right at the very, very beginning. And the fact is that there are times in our lives where we have to just say, who knows? I don't know. I don't know how I got that job. I don't know how I got through that dark time in my life. I don't know how I ended up being able to forgive that person. I have no clue. But the only thing that I do know is that God helped it happen. God made it happen in my life. That God God brought me through. That God brought me, gave me a light at the end of my tunnel when it seemed like there was only darkness. That he kept me upright when I didn't even know which way was the ground was. That I don't know. But I do know that God knows. Because he's the one that did it. I didn't do it. He did it. And this is saying that all the sower knows is that the seed grows. He doesn't need to know how. He doesn't need for the seed to grow to have all of the process down on on how things work. It's like a child that opens a refrigerator and it's full of food. He doesn't know how that happens. Trust me, I have a seven-year-old son. And he just opens it up and eats. And he's not considering how that food got there and who went to get it for him. He's just saying, Dad, why are we out of milk? (laughs) It's, It's just there. Or when he flips on a light, he doesn't know how electricity happens and power and lights are made. He doesn't know any of that stuff. But the fact is, he's not worried about it. And he doesn't have to know. There's something that is so childlike about the faith that you and I are supposed to have that we don't have to know. All we have to do is trust God and know that he knows how it happens. Now, let me give you a, a, a real-life example. Uh, last week, Joe um, Facebook Live me. Does everyone know what Facebook Live is? It's where you, you are, like, live taping. Actually, he's doing it right now. Hi, Facebook Live world. Um, so he put us on Facebook Live last week. And so there were people experiencing the same word from God that you are experiencing in Russia, in France, In Belgium, there were people in Rhode Island and Washington State. One of my friends from Washington was watching. There was even some people from Israel that were watching the same thing and experiencing the same word that you were experiencing at the same time. Now, do I know how that happened? Absolutely no. I don't know how my face and voice and imaging can get from here all the way to Russia at the same time. I I don't know and I don't have to know. I don't have to know. All I have to do is sow the seed and believe that there's a system in place that will cause things to happen and they will work like they're designed. I don't have to know. And you don't have to know. God has a system that's better than Facebook. He has a plan that's more reliable than the internet, especially if you have CenturyLink. (laughs) 
But you don't have to know how the seed is being planted or how the seed is growing in your life to watch the fruitfulness of God come through. You don't have to understand all the ways of God in order for him to be working in your life and for underneath the surface, for him to be growing roots deep down that will in time produce a crop and food that you will be able to harvest. And that's what it means to have faith. What it means to have faith is not knowing how it's going to happen or necessarily when it's going to happen, but knowing that God won't let you down and that the faith will produce in God's perfect timing. But remember what Jesus is talking about. The the disciples wanted the kingdom all at once. And Jesus said there's stages um, that happen after the ground is ripe. First, there's the stalk. Then there's the head. Then there's the full kernel. And Jesus is saying, don't worry. Don't get nervous when things aren't happening on the schedule that you think they should happen in. Don't get worried. Don't stress out when things seem like they're delayed. um, Because through all stages of growth, God's timing is always perfect. And here's what's relevant to every single one of us today. I don't care where you are in your life. It is a challenge to wait for God's timing in God's schedule. Listen, it wouldn't be a challenge if he just put on your calendar, harvest with a big red circle around it. That, that wouldn't be hard. If God said, don't worry, you'll be married by 2020. Great. That's awesome. Well, I'll just kick back. I'll enjoy my single life. Because I know that in 2020, I'm going to be good. So, so okay, I can deal with that. that. That would be great. But then we start asking things. Can I have date, time, and place, please? Because, Lord, I, I want to be ready. Give me the sickle. Let me be ready with the sickle because I just need your schedule. If you'll give me your schedule, then I can synchronize my schedule with your schedule. And I can understand and and wrap my head around what you're doing. Because, you know, we we just have to be on the same page. Just just let me be ready with the sickle. The question that, that we have to answer is how do you relate to a God who won't show you his schedule? Because it says a man scatters the seed on the ground and the seed sprouts and grows. But look what it says. It says the soil produces the grain. I tell you, the real test of the seed is can it survive the soil? Can your seed, can your promise survive the soil? Because the plowing part, that's okay. We can deal with the plowing because you can see what's happening. It might be strenuous. It might make you tired. It might give you blisters on your hand. But at least you can see what's happening. At least you can see that the ground's being broken up. At least you can see what's going on in front of you. But once the seed is in the soil, you can't see it anymore. That's where things get tough. When you have to trust And what's happening that you cannot see. And I think that's mostly where we see dreams die is in the soil. I think that's where most marriages fall apart is in the soil. I think that's where most promises 
are forgotten. It's in the soil. I think that's where most passions turn into apathy. In the soil. When your seed is in the soil. When you are in the soil. When you're put down in the soil. Because it's, it's not hard to sow and reap or to be the farmer. But what happens when you're the seed in the ground? What happens when, when, when you're thrown underneath the, the, the surface and, and you're trying to figure out and the seeds in your life and the promises and the plans that you believe in and you feel like you're in this strange place because the soil is a strange place. Because the seed, once the seed goes into the soil, it can no longer see the intentions of the one who has sown it. And sometimes that's where we find ourselves. And it takes faith to believe that the, sto- that the soil is still working. Even when the process is invisible. Even when you can't see it with your own eyes. And this is what sandwiches or what comes in the middle of the scattering And the reaping stages is the soil stage. And yes, it takes faith to sow. And it takes faith to reap. But what takes the most faith is being planted in the soil of uncertainty. And to keep growing. And to keep trusting. Because the kingdom of heaven is like a seed. And that seed was scattered and it went down into the soil And it stayed in the soil, and it stayed in the soil, and it stayed in the soil. And some of you are like, and it stayed in the soil. Amen? Anyone here feeling that right now? Stays in the soil. Most of us, listen, we don't mind sowing because I I don't mind showing God's love to my neighbor. That's okay. I don't mind making a meal for somebody. And I can do that. I can see that. I can do that with my hands. I don't mind volunteering at church. That's something that I can do. I can sow. And I certainly don't mind reaping. I mean, who, who would mind reaping the harvest? Nobody minds that. But the problem is with sowing and, and reaping, I know what tool to use. But what tool do I use in the soil stage? What do I do in the soil stage? And the answer is there's nothing you can do except for trust, have patience, and have faith. In the sowing stage, I, I need belief that can grow into something. In the reaping stage, I need strength to act on what I initiated. But when you're planted, when you're planted, there's not a thing you can do because it just takes time. And you have to say, I am believing for something that I cannot see. Remember last week we talked about sowing means releasing because the seed, if you hold it in your hand and you keep it in your hand, it will never turn into what it's supposed to turn into. It's only when you allow the seed to go down and you cannot see anymore that it can become what it's supposed to become. And that's what takes faith. Look at this from the farmer's perspective, figuratively. He goes out and he throws the seed. And he gets a great night's sleep, which means figurative for a period of time. He wakes up, he sees food, and he eats it. Oh, this is awesome. I'm the farmer. Woohoo. This is a great process. And then the seed's like, can I talk? Can can I say something? Because you made this all seem really, really easy. And first of all, I was catapulted without any care for my safety. 
And then I was almost eaten by giant pecking pigeons. And then like I went down into this deep place in the ground where it was dark and it was wet and it was isolated. And I didn't know if I was forgotten or if I was cared for or if I even mattered anymore. And I know there's some people here that feel like that right now. But then I started to change shape and I realized that the dirt, it wasn't isolating me, but it was protecting me. And I realized that the water wasn't suffocating me and drowning me, but it was strengthening me. And I realized that the changes that were happening underneath the soil, even though it seemed awful and it seemed like it was something that should never happen to anybody, it was happening and it was turning me into what I needed to be for where I needed to go and what I needed to do. And you look back and you say, oh my goodness, because the death of the seed is the beginning of your promise. And even when the birth has happened, you still don't see it. It's still in the ground. Your promise has been birthed and is sprouting and growing. And you don't see it, so you don't think anything's happening. But God has a system. God has a promise. God has a way of doing things. And you have to understand that it is going to happen because he never goes back on his promises. He is always faithful. So what he said will happen will happen in your life if you trust it and have faith. So I don't know who needs to hear this, hear this this morning, but I know that this message is personal for somebody and that your seed is in the ground and it will come up healthy and strong and multiplying in due time, in perfect time, in God's time. Please hear that God is always on schedule. He's not early because if he was early, then it wouldn't be developed enough for you to use it correctly. And he's absolutely never late. Sowing and reaping in soil. In John 12, 24, this is what Jesus says. He says, very truly, I say, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Can I tell you, Jesus wasn't getting bored and just say, hey, let's talk about botany. Like, that's not why Jesus said this. What Jesus is saying here is, I have to go away for a while. And I'm going to go into the ground. But please understand that the process is right where it should be. Jesus not only tells us about the process, he displayed the process. He lived it out. And he said to his disciples, trust me, because you're going to think that things aren't working the way they're supposed to. But I assure you that they are exactly the way they're supposed to. Last week, um, we talked about Mark 4 and the woman with the issue of blood. Um, We talked about how her faith healed her, but it was her authentic faith. It was her honesty that made her faith authentic. Now, the context of this story is where I want to end uh, this morning. Um, Jesus actually, when he heals this woman, that's not where he was going. He was actually going to heal a very, very sick little girl. Uh, a man, her, the little girl's father named Jairus, Jer- 
um, he had found his way to Jesus, convinced him to come to his house because his daughter was going to die any minute. So to this man, this father, time was absolutely of the essence. And this is what it says. The scenario is they're rushing through a crowd. Imagine your daughter is on the verge of death. You just got to Jesus. Your house is very close. And you know if he will just get to her, then she'll be okay. Imagine how you would feel as a, as a, as a father. And so you finally get Jesus. You're on your way. And then Jesus stops. And, and you're like, where'd you go? And they're r- trying to push through this crowd. And your daughter's dying any minute. Jesus, don't you understand what's happening here? Come on, we got to go. And he starts asking these ridiculous questions. Who touched me? You're in a crowd. What's wrong with you? We got to go. Listen to what uh, it says in the context. Mark 5, 32 through 36. But Jesus kept looking around. It's so funny. I love how Mark says things. He, he says it totally as somebody who would be annoyed. But Jesus kept looking around. And that, that's how I read it. Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it, who had touched him. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. That's what we talked about last week with her honesty, which made her faith authentic. He said to her, daughter, he calls her daughter. He says, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. Now watch this. This is what happens to the dad. While Jesus was still speaking. Remember, Jesus just said to this, to this woman, daughter, your faith has healed you. While Jesus was still speaking, someone came from the house of Jairus. The synagogue leader and said this, your daughter is dead. This man, this father who loves his daughter, just heard the words that he was supposed to hear for his daughter given to somebody else. Daughter, your faith has healed you. He wanted to hear those words, but he wanted them not for some random woman who interrupted the process but for his own daughter. And so literally, while he's hearing those words for somebody else, he hears the exact opposite for his little girl. Can you imagine the pain, the frustration? Jesus, I had a schedule and it was going to work if you would have just been on time. If you would have just been on my time, my daughter would not be dead. I would not be hearing these words that my daughter will not be healed while this other woman is healed. She wasn't even going to die. My little girl is now dead. Jesus, I don't understand. Why couldn't you hurry? How could you let this happen? Couldn't you see how important this was to me? Questions that we all ask when it seems like The schedule that God has is off schedule. But this is what Jesus says. He says, don't worry. I'm on time. I'm right on time. I'm right on time for your life. I might look late to you, but I'm right where I'm supposed to be. Jesus is right on schedule in your life. And so he goes into this house and they say, no, this, this girl is dead. Jesus says, no, she's sleeping. 
There are things in your life where the world will look at and say, that's dead. God says it's sleeping. And I'll be the one to wake it up. Where the world will say it's buried, Jesus will say it's planted. In John 11, Jesus' very good friend, Lazarus, dies. And some of uh, Lazarus's sisters come to Jesus and they say, Jesus, why couldn't you hurry? Why couldn't you get there? You could have saved him. And it's been days since this guy died. So there's absolutely no chance that he can come back to life. And what Jesus says is, if I had gotten there on time, yeah, you would have seen me as a healer. And I would have made Lazarus, who was sick, better. But you already know I'm a healer. You already have seen me heal people. I want you to see something else about me. I want to reveal a whole new level of who I am. I want you to experience more. That's in his schedule. And he says, for the sake of you, I'm going to look late. He'll say that to you. For the sake of you, I might look late. But when I look late to you, I'm really on time for you. He might look late to you. He's really on time for you. When that voice comes into your head and says, God's late. No, he's right on time because his schedule is perfect. And I believe that there's some people that are so close to quitting because you're in the soil stage. You're about to walk away from hope. And in doing that, you'll miss the harvest. The seed's planted. It's there. It's ready It's about to come through the surface of your life. And you have to understand that that you have to have faith because there's a schedule that God has. He's looking at you. He's watching you. He hasn't forgotten you. He hasn't covered you up. He isn't trying to suffocate you. He's doing everything to give you the, the, the plan and the purpose for your life that you're supposed to have. What do you do when the seeds are in the ground? What do you do when you've prayed all you can pray? You've come to church and served. You've sowed and and all you could do. You've prepared it all. What does the Bible say? Jesus says something so simple. He says, take a nap. Get some shut eye. Rest. For whether the man was awake or asleep, the soil was producing. To just trust in the process. To trust in the schedule. You know, Psalm 121.4 says God never sleeps and he never slumbers. So here's my thought. God's an early bird and he's a night owl. If one of us is going to be awake and you say, God, that you watch over me all the days of my life, there's no sense in both of us being awake. So I'm going to just take a nap. I'm going to rest Because whether I'm up stressing or if I'm asleep trusting, the soil is going to produce the seed. And let me tell you, if you are rested, you'll look a lot better (laughs) and you will reap a lot better. So can you trust? Because we've got our tools. We've got our spade. Where is it? And we've got our sickle. 
We have these things. But in the meantime, the tool that you use is a pillow. (laughs) You'll use this, and maybe you have used this. And you will use this. But while you're in the meantime, find a bed, rest, and wake up refreshed, looking forward to a God who has your perfect timing, who's right on time, and is going to produce a harvest in your life like you've never imagined. Would you stand with me as we pray?